BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. All right, so I'm here with Brandon Hackett, uh, who was on our Saturday Night Live panel at Sketchfest. Hi. So, uh, yeah, so how was the rest of your Sketchfest after after that? Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I had, I think, I had another show um, with my friend Jonathan Langdon. We had Hackett and Langdon, uh, the second of our two shows, and that mm-hmm. one went. I think pretty well. Uh, we reworked some stuff from the first performance. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I'd done, I had another show maybe that night to just a couple of other sort of like uh, miscellaneous, like sketch fest shows that were a lot of fun to do. I think yeah. I did show low, which was run by Christian Smith, cool. which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So getting to the, the heart of your love of comedy, where, what first interested you in doing comedy? Uh, let me see. So I guess, I don't know. It's sort of a weird, it's weird to think about it because I think I, I feel like I kind of just slipped into, uh, slipped into comedy kind of out of nowhere. I was always, uh, I went to a performing arts high school. Mm-hmm. So, um, the arts and I was in the drama program and the arts and performing and that sort of thing were always just kind of a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as a classic creative kid, and um, uh, I also think part of my like outside of school life was obviously watching a lot of TV, and uh, mm-hmm. I obviously loved shows like uh, as, a, as a kid of the '90s, The Simpsons, and you know uh, uh, SNL, Mad TV. I absolutely loved <laughs> at the time, uh, and uh, just any sort of um, I, I think I skewed definitely more towards comedy in terms of my uh, television tastes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Uh, I think naturally what sort of happened was when I got to university, actually, no, maybe it starts just before university. So uh, my grade 12, my final year of high school, uh, we had, um, we actually had some uh, people from Toronto comedy come in because, uh, uh, um, well, Gary Rideout and Pat Thornton and, uh, Mm -hmm. and um, Tal Zimmerman all came to my high school uh, to help direct the grade 12s and like a, uh, a sketch comedy unit uh, just for fun uh, because Gary was an alumnus of my high school. Mm-hmm. So they were still, he's still in touch with our drama teacher. And uh, so we did, a, they, they helped produce and, and uh, directed our sketch show at grade 12. And then uh, I just started doing comedy, uh, a sketch comedy uh, in university during a review called the Bob um, an annual review. Excuse me. And then, um, 
because I had learned about Skechersons in grade 12 year in high school, because that was uh, around the time that they had started the Skechersons, uh, I had sort of like kept abreast of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I remember seeing audition notices for them back in probably 2006. And um, uh, I auditioned in 2008, like a few rounds later. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't get in, but then they put me in like a uh farm teamy type sketch troupe because that's around the time comedy bar uh, mm-hmm. was opening and they needed new programming and then um so i performed with them and then just performed kept performing whatever so anyway that was a long-winded way of saying i kind of <laughs> fell into comedy uh performance and writing was always something that i kind of did but i didn't really think that i i never saw there was never like a, an aha moment where i sort of saw someone performing or whatever and was like oh this is it i didn't think comedy was even a thing yeah uh you know in the way that like theater is something comedy just to me seems so intangible yeah and- i mean like growing up like i'm a little bit older so i was more like an 80s late 80s kid so the brick wall mm-hmm. comedy on every night on every channel kind mm-hmm. of thing and then i just died Mm-hmm. And then, like in the '90s, like in the early '90s, that all went away. Mm-hmm. So I can like understand. It's like so. It's like oh yeah, like Seinfeld's show is over. You know, you don't have the, this constant barrage of of you know comedy lifestyle shows kind of thing. So I can understand that would be like mm-hmm. yeah, it's not as present. It's it's there mm-hmm. in a different way. Like The Simpsons, like The Simpsons were everywhere in the '90s. Yeah, yeah, like absolutely. It, it, yeah, that's. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I guess I wonder. I wonder if that affected a lot of the um, the type of comedy that people tended to get into uh, mm. generationally, um, because I uh, I never had any interest in stand up comedy growing up uh, as an art form, and my wheelhouse right now is still sketch comedy and improv. Mm. Like I I wanted to I still want to and do for, to an extent write for television uh, and that sort mm. of thing, but. Um, I feel like if I had come of age or if I had been born a little bit earlier, uh, you know, and was at least somewhat cognizant of yeah. the comedy boom, the stand up comedy boom, I probably that would have shaped my perception of comedy and what yeah. I could well, strive for. The 90s were very much a sketch. Yes. The era of sketch. You had like Mad TV. You had, you know, Mr. Show, mm-hmm. the kids in the hall, like came, like at their peak kind mm-hmm. of thing. So yeah, I mean that's, that's I didn't you know, really thought of it that, that way, and that mm-hmm. it's just like because it's like the echo from the the vacuum left uh, or the the filling in of the vacuum left by by stand up sort of collapsing in on itself when like you know all those clubs closed and all those shows went off the air. Right. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, it, there's a lot of talent during that era. I mean, like I you think I at the time I was I I watched Mad TV because I watched everything I could get my hands on, but I, 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 it didn't click. But then years later, I'm like almost all of the people from that cast mm-hmm. and all of the writers on that show are people whose work I love now. Yes. And it's like, it's like, Oh, what? that I did not realize that, you know, like you know, Patton Oswalt write, writing for that yep. show, you know, like all these yeah. like really great performers and really great writers. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's even like, um, I mean, especially, I mean, I think most prominently, uh, uh, Jordan Peele and Keegan Michael yeah, Key. Yeah. Uh, those were two huge, those are people that I didn't expect at all. Uh, not, no offense to them, but they were kind of like later in my watching a mad TV. Like when I, when yeah. I think of like classic mad TV for me, you know, it's a cast with like, um, like, Bill Lamar and Nicole Sullivan, Deborah Wilson, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Pat Kilbane, uh, Will Sasso, like just uh, Alex Borstein, like that sort of like concretized ensemble. Uh, 
Um, uh, and then, you know, when Jordan Peele and Key Michael Key started to come in, it was st- it was sort of like when I had started to pivot a little bit more towards SNL. Yeah, I think I sort of walked away from the show by that point. I, I started yeah. on SNL. Like, that's where I got into sketch mm-hmm. as, a, as a, a something I loved that and SCTV mm-hmm. as a kid. Um, so, I mean, I came to came to Mad TV and I was just like, uh, it just never sat right with me. That's I, fair. Kinda, I think I was like, my tastes were set beforehand. Yeah. I feel like I, I'm sure this is not, you don't want this whole thing to be, <laughs> I was talking about like our sketch influences, but um, I, I feel like I started out liking that TV. SNL was like a bit of a later thing for me. Mm-hmm. I always knew that it was there, um, but I think I, there was something about the, structuredness of the show at the time uh that maybe i was a bit bored by or i just didn't i didn't find it necessarily funny mm-hmm. as a kid like i was i think as a really young kid i was more into uh and i because i, I kind of get this too from watching in living color yeah back in the day was you know like big characters uh uh you know and like um humor that's kind of a little bit super upfront about things like race and that sort of thing to the point where sometimes it can be kind of rude or whatever um i think i've really responded to that really really strongly which is why a lot of my like early sketch like really early sketch comedy is very um big in charactery and now mm. i kind of to be perfectly honest i kind of hate character comedy sometimes <laughs> uh I, like i'm way more of a like snl like structured like i love a sort of yeah. like um architecture of a, of a nice you know nicely written nicely thought through uh uh sketch mm. but um yeah it's very it's very interesting I feel like once in a while I like talk to someone about um, like sketch comedy or whatever. And uh, and then I kind of sheepishly bring up mad TV because I know it could go either way as a reference. And then uh, often that person will be like, mad TV was great. It was better than SNL, you know, like during that narrow window (laughs) in the nineties. Yeah. I mean, the thing is SNL got really stale coming Mm -hmm. out of the eighties and into the nineties. So, I mean, that's why you had like two very ultra different sets of sketch Mm -hmm. sort of, Answering that, I mean, you had Mad TV, which is completely, totally over the top, right? Huge, and then you had like Mr. Show and 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 Kids in the Hall, which mm-hmm. are very refined, but in this way way where it's like, like it, it's sort of like, no, we're not with you guys. We're doing our thing over here, and it's mm-hmm. weird and freaky and and like and and kind of crazy which is interesting because you know some of you know the kid the kids guys you know worked on snl for a time kind of thing uh, so it's uh, it's yeah it's like it's like there's a period when i think a lot of people are like yeah snl's just not cutting it anymore we mm-hmm. need we need something new and then then second you know then they they upped their game and they're like you know came back with like will ferrell and mm-hmm. that the, the, this the killer cast in the mid 90s that that really that really uh sort of I think brought a lot of people back to the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what, what's your sort of favorite era of SNL? Like, what's your? I, I mean, I rewatched a lot of it, mm-hmm. and it kind of killed a lot of the love of like the nostalgia that uh, I had. Like, really? You know, I, I, it used to be like, oh, Mike Myers era, and you know, like because they're so they're so great, and they're you know, Mike Myers. I first saw on on city limits you know mm-hmm. and he first introduced wayne 
uh, Campbell as mm-hmm. like the kid from Scarborough yes. kind of thing. <laughs> so I mean, like I, that's a character I was familiar with and that era is like, Oh, these are, you know, people who are, you know, they're, they're, they, I understand and I get, you know, and you know, Bill Hartman and like all these, all these amazing talents. But then I go back and I'm like, it's just as hit and miss then as it ever was now or yes. <laughs> any period. So, I mean, like I, I love Saturday Night Live because when it's good, it's mm-hmm. amazing. There's, there's no, like a good episode is, is better than a great episode of a lot of other shows, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of bad episodes to the point, and to the point where it's like, it's usually a one good sketch, bad sketch, good sketch, bad sketch. There's like, it, there's no consistency, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, I mean, it's a, they're doing freaking incredibly hard work. Yeah. You know, it's not easy and, and you know, what, what they're doing. So yeah, I don't really have a favorite era. I mean, mainly because I'm like, I've had to sort of like divorce myself of that illusion of, Oh, this was the best. And like, no, there are some pretty big stinkers. <laughs> yes. Well, it's like, it's also very much a show where like one or two sketches, every show or something like yeah. that is something that stand out. I think. Yeah. Like the last two episodes though, the um, Sandra O oh and Kit, Harrington. Um, Harrington. Yeah. Those were consistently good front to end, front to back, I found. Like, okay. and that, to the, where it's like, that is unusual. Mm-hmm. Like, these are possibly the best episodes of the entire season, if not the last few years, because there, it was like, it kept its pace up. It never got sort of too, like, none of the sketches really got sort of too up their own ass about, like, what they're trying to do there. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't drag out the the intro, like, the the political intro too long, which is, like, a, like my wife is, will watch it and she'll, like, she'll call me when they're done with, like, the 10 minutes of Donald Trump impersonations. Because it's, right. like, <laughs> it's like, you know, okay, it was funny the first time and the first 10 times. The, the, this hundredth time is kind of beating... A dead horse. Yeah, it kind of feels a little bit like um, uh, what is the best thing to even compare it to? But it just feels like you know, it's just feels like pantomime a little bit after a boy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're not adding anything new to their critique there. Like you know, and when yeah, so with the the intro this week where it was um, oh Jesus, former vice president. Oh, Joe Biden? <laughs> Joe Biden, yeah. The yeah. Joe Biden, like, sensitivity training. And I was like, this is... Because they're going for a target that's right. not, a, that's not a target that they would normally go for. And it's valid criticism of how he just doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, and it's just like, oh, this is, this is actually funny. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not like, okay, Alec Baldwin is going to do his middling impersonation and just purse his lips for, mm-hmm. for, for ages. So, right, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just been, it's, it's, in, I don't know what changed over those last two episodes. I mean, maybe next week it'll be back to normal, but <laughs> you know, it's just when it, when it's good, it just blows, it blows your mind. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Yeah. And, and if you're looking at mad TV though, I mean like, you know, he and Peel like to like beyond their, their sketch show mm-hmm. two really prolific, you know, actors and and writers in their own right that like watching that TV, like they were good, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't have imagined them, you know, doing all of the stuff they're doing now just because that, it, it, that show was kind of like, Oh yeah, it's just, you know, it's that show that's 
trying to do what SNL did kind of right. thing. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's amazing. Like, like those, this Twilight Zone. Have you watched any of the Twilight Zone stuff yet? I have not watched yet? the Twilight Zone yet. No. Oh, the first episode, Comedian, you have to watch. Okay. Uh, because Kamal Nanjiani, it's got a lot of call out. Like, this, the, the second one um, was okay. It's a remake of, it's yet another interpretation of Carrot. Yeah. 20,000 feet that right. was 30,000 feet and so this will be the third third or fourth it's the one third iteration because there's the Shatner then there's the movie, Lithgow the, yeah. the movie and which was the just a straight movie. remake of the original it's this a pretty one, decent version of it though yeah it twists it so it's, it's different even so, though in the movie the Paul of uh, of uh Vic uh, Morrow's death hangs over the movie. Makes yeah. it a bit uh, yeah, awful yeah. to watch. No, but it's 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 but the comedian one, the first one is like yeah, that is so clearly written by a comedian, mm-hmm. and all of the people in it are comedians comedians themselves. Like they're this full like you know Camille in that that title role in the main role of the the story, and it's set in a comedy club, and and I'm like. Every person I know who does comedy, I'm sure, has had like a nightmare similar to what's going on in right. in, in in this, or or that a dream of that. So it's it's really an interesting twist, and there's some really interesting subtle callbacks to you know classic mm-hmm. uh, classic Twilight Zone. So it's, yeah, that's a, a must watch. I really highly recommend that okay. that one. So I'm curious where it's going to go from there, but. Well, absolutely watch it. I mean, I, I loved Us. I was really, I thought, have you seen Us? Not yet, no. no. Okay. It, it, it's, on, it's on my list, but I got to <laughs> see it when it's in the, you know. You got to see Us. It. Um, I was I was just, uh, mostly I was relieved <laughs> uh, because I uh, I just wanted Jordan. I loved Get Out so much. Yeah. It is probably one of my favorite movies ever, and uh, I, I just wanted uh, his follow-up movie. I didn't, I, I think initially I was just very uh skeptical at his at the idea that he was going to keep making these sort of um social horror horror movies yeah um because i i just didn't want him to get stuck in a rut or to be kind of pigeonholed into one kind of thing or whatever and uh us is just great <laughs> us yeah. is uh uh it's sort of a, a broadening of that um uh, of his sort of like style right yeah. now but he does such i mean i haven't seen us but like his other work is such a perfect balance mm-hmm. of because i'm not a big horror fan but the, am I. yeah so like it takes a lot for me to go and 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 see horror movies mm-hmm. but when i've watched his work it's like oh this it's not gratuitous in how it applies horror like it's it's not it's not hitchcockian mm-hmm. it's hitchcock has a this slow burn that is 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 uniquely it's it's his own unique take on scary mm-hmm. and it's it resonates with me in a way that like i'm like i want to watch this like whereas like you know saw or whatever scary movie that's coming out i'm like yeah i don't care <laughs> but this is like oh this is this is applying nuance to these ideas and it's and it's there's a little bit of humor in some points to like just release the tension mm-hmm. and then, then it builds back up. So he, he just applies all these tools that a lot of, especially like the, the sort of slasher splatter horror movies don't anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, which is, it's like, there's almost, there was a loss to the art form mm-hmm. of being scary that he's bringing back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like the Twilight Zone ones are, are really interesting too, because it's, it's very paced differently than it, 
than his other work and most but it's paced like an old twilight zone movie show hmm. which is they're 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 all super slow burn mm-hmm. like so they'll set up a premise and then you know it isn't until the third act where it really starts to sink in as to like oh this is what's going on here this is the badness kind of thing mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah um we've done a lot of talking about sketch and stuff do you, do you have a favorite album or special uh that that you've oh ever liked? um Favorite album or special? I mean, well, I mean, probably one of my favorite albums is um, uh, Paul F. Tompkins' mm-hmm. uh, "Laboring Under uh, Laboring Under Delusions." Mm. That's something I've been re-listening to lately. Lately, um, do you just want one or just like a oh, list which of- are, whatever? <laughs> yeah, like what are ones that you sure. really love? Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. So I love that one. That one's a lot of fun. Uh, where he sort of talks about um, all of the jobs that he's had, mm. um, including comedy, uh, that sort of lead up to where he sort of is at that particular stage in his career. Uh, I think one of the first comedy albums I ever listened to was um, Steve Martin's "Wild and Crazy Guy," mm-hmm. which I think that's such an obvious answer. Uh, in a lot of ways I, th- I think it's one of those albums that everybody listens to early on at some point yeah kind of thing. it's just it's such a a huge album it's huge yeah well it's sort of like i grew up not really like i knew steve martin but i didn't know he was this sort of like this i, I didn't know what he what his sort of like main claim to fame was i just knew mm-hmm. it was like okay there's the dad from father of the bride or you know uh like blah 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 blah, blah. like you know seeing seeing him in movies i mean like i guess he's funny you know mm-hmm. whatever um and you'd see these sort of stand-up retrospectives on like tv and it'd be like you know steve martin's a genius to be like really like the archive footage you showed is just him with an arrow through like i just don't understand yeah and then i listened to that album uh and was like oh okay i get it <laughs> it's like a crazy space man yeah. uh so smart and so funny are you gonna be seeing him on friday Wait, what? He's in town on Friday? Him and Martin Shorter, they brought oh. bring it to the their their show. Like I didn't realize until it was way too late, and I thought, oh damn, I'm not gonna get tickets. Then, and my wife got them for me for Christmas, and like I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get to see them. That's incredible. I'm so happy. I mean, seeing as you got those tickets at Christmas time, I I bet there's no tickets left. I also have a show on Friday, but I guess Uh-oh. I can't. But um. Yeah, I feel like I would find the show, but uh, I feel like I would love the show, and then I would be. Yeah, you know, I'd love the show. <laughs> what am I saying? <laughs> I would absolutely love the whole show because they're both great. Yeah. Uh, enjoy that show. I didn't uh, even know. I'm looking at it. it's a, um, Jason saw them in London mm. when they were doing. It's this, just a continuation of the same show, tour, and it's like one of those things. Like Martin Short, I think you know he's never going to stop performing. He's going to like the day he dies will be the day of his last performance. Yes. But you know, Steve Martin has taken so much time away from like sure. comedic performance i'm like i'm glad to see him this time because i don't like right. i don't know when i'll be able to see him live yeah again kind of thing i feel i kind of like that element of steve martin though i really love that like you don't get oversaturated with him yeah it's, it's a precious commodity his his comedy yes it's like it's not like oh well he'll just do another thing in a month kind yeah. of thing yeah because it's also like that's sort of been the entire that's been his career in a way mm. you know like when like he was he quit stand-up right at the height of his career yeah. you know he was he was so big and then he was just like ah. <laughs> i think he only does it when he feels he has something interesting to say which I love. I absolutely yeah. love that. I mean, I think um, uh, 
and I love that he, he he tries his hand out of uh, other things that he really likes, you know, like playwriting and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not always a fan of people who um, excel in one arena and then feel the need to dabble in another one. Um, because oftentimes the results are kind of mixed. Um, but because they've, they've already reached such, mm-hmm. prom- such prominence, they're able to kind of get their stuff out there in a way that, like, other people in the other arena, I'm, I'm being kind of vague, but, um, <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I also just like that element of Steve, Steve Martin. Like, he just seems like a person who's really interested in art and, uh, mm-hmm. um, and just needs to take, you know, time away to kind of not oversaturate the world with yeah. him or whatever. Yeah. Now, you are a member of Second City. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when did you join uh, Second City? Uh, like the, the main stage cast, or um, just in general? When did you start in general, and, and then <laughs> make it to the main stage? Sure. Okay. So I, uh, I got my sort of first uh, gig with Second City. I started out in like Edco, so I got my first gig back in late 2012, like a month or something after mm-hmm. I finished their conservatory program. Um, I was just hired to do like an Edco gig. Um, uh, and then I was performing sort of on and off as an understudy with the official like Edco. Edco is the educational company and they perform mm-hmm. shows for schools and that sort of thing. Um, uh, on and off for two or three years. Uh, and, uh, I got, uh, and then I, um, in 2015, I was hired to the touring company, which is, uh, in Toronto, Toronto second city touring company doubles as the understudy cast. And they perform a show on Monday nights, uh, while the main stage cast has the night off. Uh, so I was on tour co for a full year and then 2016, I was promoted to the main stage and I was on the main stage for two, just over two years. So I finished on the main stage this past uh, August, August 29th, I think it was. Yeah. So what drew you to improv? Uh, so I used to do improv in high school, uh, and it was, um, I was a big fan of it just as sort of, uh, I think I came to it initially as like an, a thing that drama teachers would do to get, mm-hmm. you know, students kind of loose. Like I really loved that. Um, and, uh, I used to watch Who's Line, like the original YTVs to have, um, like eight o'clock PM every night, uh, mm-hmm. the British who's line, uh, which is what I started watching. So I, I was really into sort of like that, uh, theater sportsy style of mm-hmm. improv when I was really young. So when I started to do sketch comedy, um, I think I started to feel like I was kind of in a bit of a rut and I knew the second city was in town. I'd never seen a second city show. I only kind of knew what they were because I used to watch SCTV. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, when I'd started to kind of poke my head around the Toronto comedy scene, I, uh, I realized that a lot of people were like doing improv and people were saying, well, improv is a great way to kind of like help with sketch comedy. And I didn't fully know how or why, like I, I still hadn't, I didn't have like a full grasp on how that could help structural comedy writing. So I, uh, I took classes at second city just because a lot of people had been doing that. And, mm-hmm. and that'd be a nice way to kind of, work a different part of my brain and then um thankfully i was getting it and my sketch writing experience and some of my previous improv experience helped helped me kind of um hit the ground running a little bit mm-hmm. um and then i just started to get kind of work and recognition from second city so mm-hmm. then i kind of kept at it um yeah and that's sort of what you mean in improv yeah i i'm my my level c mm-hmm. 
is next week's last week of my level C course. So mm-hmm. I'm like doing the the program myself, and it's like I'm just like I didn't enjoy improv in high school. Mm-hmm. Just I I don't know. It's just the kids that I was with back then, you know, doing drama and stuff. It's just it didn't click. But like coming at it now, mm-hmm. I'm like. It's almost like meditative in a way. Like I go into those classes, I'm like, mm. you know, the stress of the week, and then I, I walk out and I'm like, oh, I feel good. Like just just yeah. being in that moment and 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 doing it, it's so fun. I don't know. It's, well, what do you think the difference is between, uh, from uh, being like doing improv in high school versus improv now? For you, I, for me, mm. uh, I, I think I a I think it was just the the they're the people want to be there like mm-hmm. in, in in high school it's like these are kids who are like i'm taking this drama class because it's an easy easy class which is you know it's not but that's the mentality of a kid in high school mm-hmm. um so i mean i think there's that there and just there there's a, a commitment to a commitment to the other people in the class in at the training center that wasn't in high school because it's like everybody's that the people were trying to one up one another in high school. Everybody's like, I want to win. And it's, that's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's the, 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 the offer is more understood now with a bunch. And I mean, I'm probably one of the oldest people in my class, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, these are a lot of these people uh, that I'm in the class with are way funnier than me. They're way off, way off more awesome than I am. And they're younger and they're, they're, they're hungry and ha- happy and mm-hmm. interesting. And it's like, just the energy is so powerful when you go into those classes. It's just like, yeah, I, I was doing it on a different day of the week. And um, it's just like on Sunday with very low energy. Mm-hmm. Very, and that there wasn't enough people in that class. So I got moved to Tuesday and I'm like, never moving from tuesday it's, right. it's like just everyone's like oh yeah yeah that, like after work energy like blowing off steam kind of thing yeah yeah and, and, it's, and it's such a it's a, this wide array of different experiences and stuff too which is like you know, in high school you're all like you know high school kids you know but mm. you know this is like you've, you you've got people who you know work in in, in the financial sector and then you've got people who work in you know charities and and construction and like or, one fella in my class who every he, he's so he 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 gives 110 percent every time it kind of reminds me of like a john candy kind of like loving energy mm. in every scene that he's in but he also is like he wor- used to work in the film industry so he was like he's like oh yeah so that time that you know bill murray and i were just driving around i'm like what <laughs> and he's like oh yeah i forgot to he pulls out this picture of him and bill murray driving around and right. i'm like he, he kind of buried the lead there <laughs> right. yeah. and it's not and it's like it's not it's not bragging it's more like oh this is yeah you know, this, this is this experience so it's like this wide array of experiences and i th- and that's one of the things i love about improv is everybody brings something different to the table mm-hmm. um and it's like you're sharing it's like a, it's like a smorgasbord of, uh, or a buffet of ideas that everybody's sort of sharing and mm-hmm. and and giving to one another yeah yeah, I feel like yeah, I think it hits the nail on the head quite a bit. Is that now, like when you do improv as an adult, 
everyone wants to be there and it's a lot more supportive and there's less of that sort of like baggage of like trying to look cool yeah or you know dealing with your own like teenage bullshit or whatever <laughs> sorry i don't know if I'm not to swear um <laughs> so, okay so it's all good and uh yeah, but and it is definitely like I I started taking classes when I was like working full time as like a, a pension specialist or whatever, um, and I was like uh, number one a job I was not suited for. But um, uh, yeah, doing those classes on like a weeknight it was like a great way to blow off steam and that sort of thing, and um, it was just like great. Yeah. Now you mentioned earlier the Skechersons. You've been involved with them since two thousand and eight. Um, well, two, uh, 2013, but the first time I mentioned for them was certainly. 2008. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what's the process of writing with writing for the sketches, like writing for Sunday Night Live or something like that? Okay. So uh, so basically the process for, process for writing for Sunday Night Live is, is literally um, – so we're putting up a show every single week, Saturday Night Live style show every week. And uh, we basically just write on our own over the course of the week. And we come to a pitch meeting every Thursday. And uh, we pitch usually at least two sketches uh, each. We cast them and we have a read through. Uh, and then uh, our head writer usually collects all the scripts. Uh, she'll uh, take a, she'll, she'll sort of like um, communicate with the host because there's usually a host every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, get get a get a sort of an idea for what the host wants to do, and then uh, on on or before or just before Sunday, uh, she'll have uh, a running order ready of which sketches are in the show and uh, the casting, finalized casting, and that sort of thing. And then you just rehearse all day Sunday, uh, or for a few few hours on Sunday, uh, and then put on the show at like nine thirty or something like that. I think it's uh, it's been a few years since I've been in the troupe, uh, but I'm pretty sure that's how it still functions. How would that compare to? you know, being in, 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 in second city in one of their shows. Uh, it's probably a lot more rigorous. I would have to say, I mean, outside of, um, the 10 weeks where we're writing the show at second city for the rest of the run, you're kind of just there every night. Like there's, it's a different type of rigor, but it's like, you're just, you, you show up to work and you perform the same show mm-hmm. every night. If there are improvised elements, that's new. And then obviously there's an improv set at the end of the show and that's enti- entirely new, but there's no real prep that goes in any of that. You just, um, you basically that's the whole job with Sunday Night Live. It's writing at least two new sketches a week and hoping that they're good or making sure that they're good or learning the skill set uh, in order to make them serviceable or good or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then learning an entirely new show on uh, like in a day, basically, uh, and um, doing it again at infinitum. Uh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're both different types of skill sets. I think with Second City, I obviously learned um, it did ultimately strengthen my writing, but I also feel there was also definitely a feeling that I didn't, I wasn't writing for two years, you know, like it, it, uh, even though now that I'm back to writing a bit more regularly now, uh, and I feel like I have a, I have a more concretized um, uh, process or skill set for writing or, or, or vision, I suppose. Uh, that comes from working there and writing for reviews. Uh, at least with the Skechersons, it was so rigorous and was so. Um, we would just be doing a show all the time, so mm-hmm. I would basically I was just basically better at putting forward ideas, making them serviceable, putting them out, whatever, and then making making them better on Sunday, and then um, 
kind of getting better that way. So remember a sketch that you really wanted to get up mounted that you just never were able to get past that finish line for Sunday Night Live? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm sure there were like dozens of sketches because I have a dozen, <laughs> I have dozens of sketches that obviously didn't make the show because mm. I, you know, wouldn't get two things in the show all the time. Uh, uh, I guess I had one sketch. I'm gonna explain uh, explain the pre- describe the premise, and it's not gonna sound funny at all because it's not. <laughs> but to me, I thought it was kind of clever at the time. Uh, but the idea that like, uh, um, I uh, these two parents are waiting for this kid to come home. Uh, and the kid comes uh, comes home and they're just like so pissed off and it's like where were you and he's like um, I was just hanging out or whatever and they keep grilling him and eventually they're like uh, you were in the matrix weren't you <laughs> and the kid's like no and the whole thing is just sort of yeah see it's not it's not a funny sketch <laughs> but the idea that like the kid just plugs into the matrix uh, all the time and it's just a bunch of references to the matrix uh, I really liked but that never made it into the show understand it justifiably um <laughs> Uh, what else? I don't know. I mean, I had some sketches that made it into the show that I'd pitch a bunch of times, and then because I'd be like, "Oh, this is funny. This is great," and then uh, you sort of see them in front of an audience, and the audience would kind of not like it, and then you'd be like, "Okay, I, I get, I get why <laughs> this didn't make it." I guess a sketch. I wrote one that was about um a production of the Phantom of the Opera where uh the phantom's foot gets caught in like a trap door uh and then that whole sketch is them just trying to still perform the show while his foot <laughs> while he's like stuck in the trap door uh and like more people are pushed on stage and they're all just trying to like improv like they're using improv language <laughs> and then like the phantom understudy comes on so it's sort of like there are two phantoms on state uh I, lo- I like that sketch a lot uh i don't think it was ever like a hit like a huge hit but again i don't know <laughs> Now, um, it, yeah, as you mentioned, they have hosts on every episode. Was there yep. a host that you really enjoyed performing mm-hmm. with in um, particular or a story of a host that you really stands out? Well, there are a lot of really fun, cool hosts. We've had a lot of like ce- like celebrity, uh, like mm-hmm. but like bigger names as hosts sometimes. Yeah. Like um, one of my favorite shows was probably the one with Scott Adsit and uh, John Lutz. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really great because I got both of my sketches in in the show and they were both host sketches. Yeah. So I got to perform like a solid one on one time with uh, uh, Scott Adsit, who's one of my Second City heroes, and Lutz, mm-hmm. who's like a really great comedy writer that I really, oh, really yeah. like. He, and he's been involved in so many yep awesome things absolutely yeah. well i think he still writes for the tonight show no not tonight show. he works for seth seth yeah. oh yeah even better yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and everyone's while, it's like oh yeah this is this is a lot mm. <laughs> yeah so i love that um i got to work with scott thompson uh oh. which was really really cool um i mean kids in the hall are like huge and such a looming Kids in the Hall are such an important number one. They're extremely funny, one of the funniest troops ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but such an extremely important force for me for for normalizing. I think my perception of like queerness within uh, not only just comedy but in the world. Mm-hmm. Because Scott is the sort of queer member of the group. Is the not sort of, but he is the queer member of the group. And uh, uh, in sort of a similar way that you know Freddie Mercury kind of queered the group, group Queen, mm-hmm. he queered the um, sketch group Kids in the Hall. So for a long time, I just thought the entire sketch group everyone was gay yeah. because all of these sketches about you know like like, like steps and stuff like that. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And that was so like as a kid watching that uh, within this sort of world where um, queerness had not been 
normalized or was still a little bit weird or off or whatever. Um, that to me seemed so that was such an important thing to view and shape kind of like my own perception of queer, my burgeoning queer identity, that sort of thing. And, um, Anyway, getting to work with him was really, really cool because I wrote a sketch for both of us to perform where we were these NPR sort of um, broadcasters, uh, uh, you know, uh, performing the show called uh, the Sassy Gay Chat Show. But we were just so sedate, like Terry Gross or something like that. Um, uh, and he helped me do heavy rewrites on the sketch because I was quite green still at the mm. time, uh, but it was great. And then we just talked a bunch after the show. Um, yeah. So that was really, that was a really great experience. That was sort of a interesting sort of full circle kind yeah. of moment, I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I, kids in the hall are one of the few, few comedy troops where almost their entire body of work mm-hmm. holds up mm-hmm. decades later. Yep. Like you go back and you watch Monty Python or, or SCTV is pretty strong too, mm-hmm. because I think they, they kept it broad enough that it wasn't nailed down to like a, a premise that was stupid. Kids in the Hall, like it's timely today, mm-hmm. like watching any of their material, like there's some, yeah, there's occasionally a character where it's like, Ooh, but I, I, I just, they, as all of them as performers mm-hmm. are just astounding. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so Kevin McDonald when he was um, at the Rivoli last time, and it's just a, it was a high because he has this podcast where it's basically him telling a story about his time in the kids in the hall. Nine out of ten times, it's him telling a story about when he lived with Scott, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it was just it was just a joy to watch, and mm-hmm. just because like they they like all of them had this like this natural. Just it's just this natural charisma and mm. and and talent, um, and it, Bruce opened for him, and it's just it was, yeah, they they they're they're terrific. So yeah. you can only imagine how much fun it would have been to 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 work with Scott. On Absolutely. I mean, from what I understand, they also fought quite a bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, they'll be the first people to admit that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's um, yeah. So Ken Ken McDonald's uh, podcast. If you if you never listened to it i really recommend it because it's like there's so much of the process that he talks about and the of the, the how they they're they're dynamic as a troop mm-hmm. and it's it's really it's just kind of cool to hear from behind the scenes kind mm-hmm. of thing um yeah I'll check it out yeah um now um I was watching uh, another interview you did. You saw Oh Hello Live on Broadway. Yeah, How, like, Kroll and Delaney, do, do, mm-hmm. you know, Mulaney doing their, like, peak characters. So how was that? That was a lot of fun. Yeah. I was just on vacation uh, <laughs> during my first review. So I went to New York and, uh, yeah, I went to see it. And it was mm-hmm. one of the best nights I'd ever had. Like, such a fun, ambitious show uh, with truly the two stupidest characters you could ever imagine to yeah. have a uh, Broadway stage. Uh, and uh, it was great. The guest that night was F. Murray Abraham. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you seen, have you seen the show? I've seen the special. I didn't see it live. I want, I, I, I wanted to see it live and I just couldn't work it out at the time. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like every night was a different guest. Like it's a different like, guest. Yeah. They had like, 
Patrick Stewart on at one point. Yeah. Ian McKellen as well. Yeah. Like, I guess it's whoever was around you. Yeah. He's, he's like, <laughs> oh, okay, I'll be on it. John Hamm. You know, like, yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. I, it's, it's, the, the special is, is kind of a love letter to a very particular New York yes. Broadway sort of mentality. Mm-hmm. But a love letter in a very you know acidic biting kind of way which sure. is which is uh, hilarious it's like I, yeah i'm just like it, it takes some guts to mount something like that it does well and it's very much like john mulaney's wheelhouse of um like he's so he's such a he is kind of like an old new york um that's not the right word but like fetishist yeah <laughs> a little bit you know like even down to his accent a little bit you know he's chicago chicagoan but um but he does lean very heavily in a kind of new york yeah. style well, I, I think fetish is the perfect way to describe <laughs> it because it's like yeah you know in 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 even the more the even the more classical sense of like a almost like a sort of a worshipful mm-hmm. kind of way you know not just a sexy kind of way but yeah like Everything about him screams mm-hmm. old New York. Yes. You know, like the way he dresses, the way he talks, the way, like all of his mannerisms mm-hmm. is, is, and, but it works. It's genuine. It's not like mm-hmm. it's that, that's one of the reasons why I, I, I love him as a performer is like, there's no artifice there. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it looks like it, but that's just who he is. Mm-hmm. Like a couple of years ago, um, I went to a one-on-one with him and uh, for JFL 42, they had an interview with him before his show, his headliner show. Mm-hmm. And is he just like that? He's just very giving as a performer, like just to the other person on the stage with them, mm-hmm. but always on. And it's like, it's just this like lightning fast wit about him. And it's just like, and to see him with Nick Kroll mm-hmm. too, like just, the two of them together. Amazing. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, because they're like best friends. Yeah. You know, they perform so well together because they are just genuinely best friends. Mm. Yeah. Just a, an extremely tight, but loose, but loosely tight and tightly loose uh, mm. dynamic. It's so, it was just so good. It was like every single line was some really hot joke, you know, hot, stupid joke. Um, and yeah, just uh, the show being this assemblage of, uh, tropes uh, yeah, <laughs> so how, how, how close is the one that you saw to the netflix special well it's the same it's the exact same so show. It's the exact same show just uh, the 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 host changes and uh i think what the the only significant difference was uh i think for the netflix special they added uh matthew broadwick broderick yeah so they still had the joke of someone being behind the door uh, I think uh, when I was there, they said Nathan Lane was going to be behind the door or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but you don't. But but no one. I, to the best of my recollection, he did. He didn't show up. Like no one no, was like behind the door. Yeah. Uh, they might have done that. I feel a few times, but yeah, not on not on my night. Um, but yeah, watching the special after the fact and seeing that they managed to get Matthew Broderick, uh, just for like a quick gag yeah. Matthew Broderick yeah. seems like the kind of guy who's willing to make fun of, like yes. to, to just like go for a joke yes yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah yeah now you've um been on this hour is 22 minutes mm-hmm. the Beaverton Baroness mm-hmm. von Sketch mm-hmm. um that's just a few of your credits so how um, and, and not to mention um oh geez Doug in this del- no 
uh, uh, Gary and his Gary and his demons. Yes, Gary and his demons. So, how is like you know TV work and like TV sketch and TV writing? Mm-hmm. Uh, how is that different from from working for the stage? Um. You mean specifically, like, just specifically with, like, writing or just, like... Uh, writing and performing, of... like, as a performer and as a writer, sure. how do you, how do you feel it it's different for you? Well, certainly within performing, uh, it's, um, it's a lot smaller, uh, which sounds kind of weirdly obvious, but it's still something that I'm kind of, like, getting my head around a little bit because most of my experience has obviously been on the stage. So I'm so used to uh, when I'm performing sketch comedy being very big and theatrical and like using all the project projection that I learned in high school. Um, uh, but it is a lot smaller, uh, a lot more um, refined, a little bit performance wise. Uh, my t- experience TV writing, I mean, I'm still trying to drum up a lot more experience with TV writing. I did write for, I forget which season, but it was a season 23 or 22 of 22 minutes. Um, and the writing for that show was quite, it was very rigorous because it was not just sketch comedy. It was um, copy jokes. It was sort of um, field pieces and that sort of thing. And I was also involved in my own field piece that made it to air uh, that also involved a little bit of improv. Um, but the writing with 22 minutes, I think, specifically with sketch and how that stacks up to the other sketch that I've written is um, there's so much less time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you're kind of writing the sketches in 22 minutes are about like a minute long each you kind of aim for. So you want to kind of hit the, like get to the joke and then maybe hit it once or twice more or something like that. Like it's mm-hmm. really, or you stack it up with um you get the premise and then you stack it up with as many jokes as you can. Like it's such a, it's, it's, quite a different piece and i don't know that i fully mastered it in the time that i was there um but uh as opposed to like you know if you're performing sketch theatrically you can kind of breathe a little bit depending on if you're right you know like with second city you have a lot of scenes like scenic um sketch comedy or you know or whatever um but uh yeah so it sort of changes and then like the other writers rooms that i've been in like i was in a story a room for a story room for um show recently and you know, that was a bit more of a deliberate process than sketch comedy. Sketch comedy, I'm so used to it being kind of ephemeral or like quick. You just kind of get it out there and it's done and then move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And with this, we're kind of envisioning the, um, the story for a whole season and, and breaking apart each episode and trying to um, uh, see the sort of like how uh, each functions within a sort of grander narrative arc of the season. Uh, a lot more thinking, a lot more uh, planning, you know, uh, you know, way more collaborative than I'm kind of used to, if I'm being mm-hmm. perfectly honest. I like to write alone. Um, yeah, so it, it definitely, it, I guess my my sort of compact answer would be it changes from project to project, mm-hmm. uh, just depending on what the needs of each project uh, are. Um but uh, I'd say yeah, TV writing is way more, <laughs> definitely way more rigorous and, and way more just kind of like throw as many ideas as you can yeah. at the wall. Um, now, now you've also done video game writing as well. A little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how, and how does that compare to like all these other 
Like, is, <laughs> have you been able to draw from any of your sketch and your your improv experience? And a little to- bit, yeah. The main like video game writing is just uh, it's mostly like uh, because I'm writing for was writing for an app called um, uh, Tap by Wattpad uh, and, and wrote, wrote a couple of these sort of like choose your own adventure stories. Uh, and with those, uh, there was a degree of. Um, I guess with like writing these sort of like branching narratives, there is a degree of, I guess, just sort of like throwing ideas out there. Uh, obviously, okay. I see there's a lot of like planning on knowing where your narrative is going. And I guess that's mm-hmm. sort of true of any type of like narrative writing. Um, but there's a degree of planning and then there's sort of like playing within the sort of like structure, the established structure that you can kind of do. Mm-hmm. So once we sort of figured out the structure of each um, narrative, then I can sort of play around a little bit with like certain jokes, if there were jokes and stuff in there. But not all of them were like um, comedy mm-hmm. games or anything like that. Yeah. But I don't know. Everything is sort of like a different, uh, everything is its own kind of beast. So I feel like I'm kind of constantly learning every time I do a new sort of like writing job or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, so you worked on a lot of different platforms and that with things like podcasts and YouTube, mm-hmm. um, really almost like I, you, a lot of the podcasts that I've, I've been listening to, it's almost like a rebirth of like radio mm-hmm. plays and stuff like that. You've, how do you feel these new platforms are changing comedy? Have you noticed anything with like how they're impacting the comedy world? Well, I mean, I think uh, this is a fairly common observation, but I think it just means that people can get work out there a lot more uh, frequently and a lot mm, more directly. Mm-hmm. So uh, I feel like almost every one of my friends or colleagues uh, has um, a comedy album, for example, mm-hmm. uh, released uh, that's played on Sirius XM, uh, and you know, released through through iTunes or whatever. And ten years ago, the idea to me that anyone I know, anyone I knew, would have a comedy album seems so far fetched mm-hmm. because that seemed like something like, oh, you need to be approached by, like, I don't know how the words, <laughs> but like approached by a record label or whatever. But it's sort of people can just release things online. And I think that that is a really good, I think it's great. I think it's amazing. I think it's, it lends to a proliferation. To, I think just as with like the Skechersons, uh, you know, I would just get work done and then move on and get more work done and just sort of have this whole body of work eventually. Mm-hmm. I think that's what uh, uh, this sort of proliferation of uh, plat- uh, platforms for people to release material onto uh, is good for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the sort of like first common effect, I guess I see. Um, there's a second, if there's a second uh, sort of observation that I can make, I guess it's maybe that like, um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's probably the only observation I really have to make. Yeah. Uh, now, are there any um, any comedy acts that you would re- or shows that you'd recommend people mm-hmm. go and check out right now? Uh, yeah, I guess like in the city right now, uh, definitely check out uh, Yas Queen. Uh, that's a show that's run by Nilu Handa. Uh, and that's a really, really good show, uh, primarily like women of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a really, really, really fun, really funny show. Uh, that's one of the city. Um, I'll always recommend, obviously, the sketches in Sunday Night Live. Uh, Rap Battles is always a great time. 
Oh, musical uh, uh, improv karaoke, which is run by my friend Jordan Armstrong. That's uh, the I think it's second Monday of every month at Comedy Bar. Uh, one of the sort of secretly one of the city's best shows, I think, okay. uh, which is sort of um, people just get like just improvise karaoke <laughs> uh, or improvise a song on the spot kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um what else? There's so many great shows in the city. I feel like I don't get out to as many as I would like to or as I used to. Um, but those would be the key ones. Cool. Yeah. And uh, do you have anything that you would like people to know about that you're working on right now? Uh, <laughs> my taxes? Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess uh, my friend Jonathan Langdon and I, uh, as the sketch duo Hackett and Langdon, I think we're trying to do a lot more things, so definitely uh, keep abreast. <laughs> keep going, doing Google searches. I don't know <laughs> for Hackett and Langdon, uh, or we uh, we have a show on April twenty fourth. I think Bad Dog Theater at the Templeton Philharmonic called Templeton Manor. So we're doing ten minute mm-hmm. set then, and um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully more things. I think we want to try to do an album this year. Awesome. Speaking of, so uh, we'll see if that comes to fruition or not. Uh, but hopefully. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and if people wanted to follow you on social media, do you have? Yeah. The best place is on Twitter. So at Brandon Hackett, B-R-A-N-D-O-N-H-A-C-K-E-T-T. Uh, so that's my Twitter handle. If you want, you can follow me on Instagram, but I, I rarely update it. And it's pretty much just um, my personal <laughs> things. So don't worry about it. Um, and I live around Bathurst and Bloor. If you want to <laughs> check me out there. I told that joke on the on the on the uh, comedy album live uh, podcast. So there you go. That's <laughs> a joke again. No callback. It's yeah. callback. There That's a callback. Go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been comedy album uh, book club. Thank you, Brandon, for joining us. And, Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Excellent.